Hey, this is Rick, the founder at Real People USA, and uh, we are starting to become a, a top-rated podcast episode that talks about real people issues and and, and the real America. And uh, the first thing that we do out of three things that we do, we talk about small business ownership items. The second thing we do is we help uh, primarily Republican and politicians boost their campaigns with our systems and our strategy of how not to lose. And the third thing that we do is we have conversations like we're going to have right now where we talk about people, um, talk about people, where we talk with people about real issues and real America with real people. Our guest today is Jaylene Rodriguez, uh, a Cuban-American that lives in South Florida, works with uh, a few political campaigns, and uh, she's experienced in that area, and she's going to talk about SOS Cuba and also talk about some other pertinent issues that's happening in sunny South Florida. So without further delay, I would like to welcome to the real people you Jaylene Rodriguez, how are you doing this afternoon? Hi, good afternoon. Um, I'm doing really well. <laughs> Thank you for asking. All right. Hello? So we're just saying hello and I'm doing a salutation in Espanol. Buenas, todo el mundo. Mi nombre es Jaylene Rodriguez. Estamos hoy para hablar de Cuba, para ver la situación en, en la Florida, en la parte del sur y cualquier otra cosa que está pasando eh, también en los Estados Unidos. All right. So my contribution to that is bienvenido. <laughs> I could probably say more, but it makes my head hurt when I have when I have to remember Spanish. But um, yeah, so today we want to talk about the first thing we want to talk about is SOS Cuba. And mm -hmm. uh, so give an update of, of where things are uh, or how things started. And because I know you've been right there with some friends of mine, and uh, you you know you know what what's going on, so please give our listeners some background on SOS Cuba. Right. So it actually started with a, a black artist who was saying that he wanted freedom, and uh, that sparked a protest of about 200 people, and the military came down. All the lights, everything was turned off, and all the streets were blocked off so that nobody else would join the protest. And then the black artist uh, got sent to prison and has been in prison. He was also beat up, so he was hospitalized, and then they put him in prison, and they haven't heard anything about him ever since. So he's a political prisoner, prisoner now, just harassing for freedom. And then you have like a couple months later and this happened during quarantine that we had here in the United States so it happened during that time so then a couple months later or a year later technically now we have this big protest in La Habana and thousands of people are getting involved and what's happening is that parents um, little kids and teenagers the military are shooting them uh, for anybody that gets involved in the protest. So um, you'll have military men going into homes of families and asking and telling their, their, that their children, usually men, have to go to the military with them so they can deal with all the protests. And if they don't, they either put you in prison or they shoot you on the spot. Mm. And if you don't, 
children that are old enough, then you take the men. And then if the men don't want to, then they're either shot or they're in prison. And they've also shot little kids for being out in the protest. Um, there was, there's also stories that you can see online of Cubans saying there was a father who they didn't just shoot his son. They, they beat his son up with, with police uh, batons. They took out his eyeballs and then they, they beat him up with the police. They didn't shoot him. They didn't give him a quick death. They absolutely tortured him to death. And they shut down the internet in La Habana. So I have a friend whose father is Cuban and his father is right in the middle of it in La Habana. And um, he says that the only way that he can communicate with his, with his father's grandfather, sorry, not his dad, his father's grandfather, the only way he communicate with him is if he hides somewhere where he can find internet so nobody else can catch him because if he's caught using internet, he's going to get shot or he's going to be in prison. That's, and that's been the case in Cuba for a very long time. If you talk poorly about the president, you're going to be in prison. And so whenever I would visit there as a Cuban citizen and also American citizen, um, I was always told by family members, don't talk badly about the president so that people can't hear you because people snitch on, you, on one another. Kind of like what's happening in the United States where if in the, in the beginning of quarantine, if, if you had a party of more than 10 people in your apartment complex, your neighbors would snitch on you, the police would come and shut it down. Those are the type of things that are happening here in South Florida, by the way, uh, in the early stages and that was happening everywhere else. And so, so, so we have this niching population in Cuba <clears throat> started here in the United States as a result of COVID and the quarantine. So it's kind of an idea of the situation mm -hmm. in Cuba. And um, <clears throat> a lot of Cubans in South Florida want military intervention. And, and, and as a Cuban, I 100% disagree with military intervention. Wherever that has been done around the world, it has absolutely failed. Uh, under the Obama presidency, uh, the, in, the, in Libya, the president was assassinated, and then that created the Libya slave trade where Africans are sold for slavery. And nobody, and, and the only thing the Obama administration did is apologize, and he was given a pat in the back for creating slavery. And so imagine Cubans knowing those things happening in other countries, and they think that somehow it's going to be different in the United States. Now the reasoning for why this is, for why a Cuban would want military intervention, is because they see videos or they have pictures of children. Um, in Cuba, being uh, tortured, being uh, murdered, and all kinds of things. And to them, seeing how many people are dying, it's like, what's a few casualties going to do if they can obtain freedom mm -hmm. from it? You die, but then they have their freedom and nobody else has to die anymore. But we don't know what's gonna happen if the president was assassinated by outside military intervention. And we don't know with the current administration, Biden, what he's going to do, right? Mm -hmm, exactly. To 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 take over to take over Cuba because because we're not we don't have Republican say right now 
in the White House. We have democratic, communist, socialist saying in the White House, and they'll be able to do whatever they want from Cuba. And so that's not very smart on Cubans, especially knowing Cubans that are Republicans and that believe in Donald Trump and supported Donald Trump, for them to want intervention from a Democrat who's a communist onto Cuban territory. That boggles my mind. And if right. I were, and when I open my mouth and I try to explain it, I just, I just let it be. I just let it be. Right. Just, so we, um, so we've uh-huh. seen the, the the video in the in uh, South Florida, and the, it's been large. I mean, everywhere from <clears throat> even Tampa, where right. I grew up, there's a large number of SOS Cuban supporters, and then obviously down in Palm Beach, um, you know, Broward. There's a lot Miami. of young people. There's um, there's a lot of young people. So the protest started in Versailles in South mm-hmm. Florida, Miami-Dade. Mm-hmm. And the, the governor, not the governor, the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, was at that protest. And there was thousands of people there, if, if I recall correctly. I didn't, I didn't know that protest was happening during that time. So I didn't show up until the next day. But that president, that mayor, sorry, was there. And he's been asking for Biden for military intervention. And he's considered a rhino Republican because mm-hmm. he's invested a lot of money in, in clean energy, renewable energy, and he essentially wants to turn Miami into another New York. Oh. Um, oh, oh yeah. And so, and then the people who have been funding these protests, we've been figuring out has been, uh, an, uh, was an artist, I forgot his name, and then in Instagram, there's a, a channel called Only in Dade. And Only in Dade is not right-leaning, it's left-leaning. So there's a lot of left-leaning funding, and there's a lot of young kids that mostly lean left that are at these protests. And then there's a lot of people that aren't there because they support Cuba, they're just there because they have nothing better to do, and they try to start some trouble, but thankfully because of the police and other people that are watching, it hasn't gotten to that extent. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of Cubans don't know that there are political prisoners here and don't know the freedoms that we're losing in the United States. Because if you lose freedom in the United States, you lose freedom in, in the world. So America, America, in my opinion, has to come first uh, yeah. with some help, with some help to Cuba, such as Cuba uh, receiving aid and just um, getting internet. So basically, you're saying that the um, <clears throat> the left-leaning people, the, uh, the Cubanos in, in, in South Florida, are protesting or showing protest because they want. Uh, so what 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 is the purpose of them? What is their their motivation to protest? Their motivation to protest, and as far as what's going on in Cuba. Yeah. Um, their motivation. Well, they have family members in Cuba, and they understand. Um, the struggles of Cubans, as many of them lived, in, lived it themselves or their family have told them stories of how hard it is in Cuba. Um, and so that's where the left and the right, as far as Cubans go, come together. But oh, the, tactics, the tactics are, are very different. So you have like Cubans that support Trump and then you have Cubans that support Biden and they're constantly saying, 
we should come together. Like, let's not, it's not political. But then next thing you know, when the Cuban Republicans are telling them that Biden sucks and he's not going to do anything for Cubans, and you're wasting your breath asking Biden for help, the next, the next day the Biden administration says, if you come from Cuba or from Haiti, we're going to send you back, so don't come here. And that's when they started chanting. That's when they started chanting, Biden sucks. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and they realized what was happening, that they're, they're, they, they're not going to get any help. But they're still going to ask for Biden's help through, through shame and by putting mm-hmm. him down for saying those things. Because some help is better than nothing, so they're willing to bite their tongue to get something out of it. Uh, so, mm-hmm. it's very, 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 very depressing because I, like I said, I grew up with the, I would say maybe twenty-five percent of my, um, you know, my high school class, and you know, all throughout school, were a lot of Cubans in my class, and um, I had Cuban neighbors in, in different parts of Tampa. So I do understand. I, I've sat when I was a kid. I used to go to this little grocery store <clears throat> when I was about maybe eight, nine years old. And just sit there because really it was nothing to do for an eight nine year old if you're not playing baseball or football or something right so i used to sit there and you know these guys were like 40 50 60 and my friends and i we used to sit at the corner store and just listen to them talk about uh, fidel castro uh mm. so badly by the way i mean it was just i mean it was a lot of <laughs> a lot of yeah imagine all the foul language bent, all that bent up frustration that they couldn't talk about in Cuba. Yeah, they, they were free. They were they were living in Tampa. They were free. And uh, then I had a chance to go visit my cousins down in South Florida, you know, where mm-hmm. the Cuban population's got to be about, I don't know, like 700,000 or a million, and, uh, or if not mm-hmm. more. And, um, you know, I, you know, this is just a whole lot of things I, I saw when I was a kid. And then I right. you know, took a break because I came to California and wasn't connected with it as much. But you know, like they say, the struggle is real. You know, it's a real right. struggle, and um, and a lot of the people there look like just look, look like you know you and I. They look just like you. you look like me. So because they right. are a large percentage of Cubans are black, are African. So it's been an right. interesting and then, story. And then um, other things to add on: uh, the president of Cuba, which Cubans call him Singal. It's, call, it's like calling him a fucker. <laughs> uh, so, so the Cuban president told the, the communists to get out in the streets and fight the revolutionaries, the freedom, technically the freedom fighters, in a way. And then they have videos of communists that are supporting the president as a propaganda, propaganda to say that uh, the revolutionaries are very small and that majority of the people in Cuba love the president. When oftentimes, a lot of those people, if they don't protest on behalf of the president, they could lose their jobs, they could lose medication, they could lose a lot of things. And that's something that's not really talked about and that you wouldn't really know unless unless you were someone there and then you expose the president, for example, through the internet, which they don't have access to. Um, and then a lot of people blame the embargo which is completely understandable. During the early stages of the embargo, there was some benefit the United States did it for themselves, and then there was benefits to Cuba. But the embargo has changed throughout the years. 
Uh, the last time it was changed was in 2009. In the United States, since a hundred over hunt over a mil millions of dollars, 170 or something or so millions of dollars to Cuba every year. They sent 174 million dollars worth of chicken um, last year. And what the president does is that he keeps it away from the people. So as the United States has been helping Cuba financially and with food, the Cuban people haven't gotten access to it. And so, and the whole reason for the Cuban embargo is so that the president of Cuba gives <clears throat> Cuban people freedom. And so the minute Cubans get the freedom that they deserve and, and get the ability to vote in their own elections rather than being picked by the Fidel Castro family lineage, um, then the embargo goes away. Because that's the reason for the embargo right now. We're going to mm -hmm. squeeze you a little bit until you give the people freedom. But then the socialists say that the reason why Cuba is suffering is just because of the embargo, even though Cuba can do, has been doing trade with Canada, with Russia, so on, and, and etc. They've been mm -hmm. doing trades with other countries. The USA is just saying, we're not going to do trade with you. That's it. Right, and people need to know that uh, when people think of Cuba, they think it's some faraway place. No, it's 90 miles off the coast of Florida, 90 miles from it's Key right West. It's right there. On an airplane, you get there in an hour. Yeah, or or <laughs> less. You know, I mean, the, or, you know, or less, talking a 90-minute yeah, like, flight. A 90-minute yeah, like flight. So by the time the, 50 yeah, so by the time the plane takes off, you know, it's, you know, it takes off, it's, then it's time to land because it's only 90 miles away from Key West, Florida, and maybe uh, 130 miles away from you know metro metro miami but um it's it's right there and what people don't understand is that what's happening there is starting to creep here into the united states and mm. um you know you talk about you know shortages we're having sh shortages now there's people that uh, there are stores that are waiting for their their shipments to come in because they've been delayed and anytime oh, yeah. you have delayed shipments it rise it, the price goes up people start mm. Oh, well, I guess I'll do something else. And that's one of the, the key points about calm. You can't have what you want. And when you can't have what you want, you say, well, I'll just do something else. And then the next time you want something and it grows and grows, well, I can't do this, so I guess I'll do something different. And then the next thing you know, your whole lifestyle has been changed because you can't do what you want. And that's one of the underlying curses of, 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 of communism. And it's right there, you know, you know, 90 miles off the coast of the United States, right there. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. it seems like we're going that direction uh, unless, unless some things change. And that's going to be sad because most people are not familiar with, familiar with this with this type of living. They think they can just, you know, do what they want, get their money, buy what they want and, and do everything they want. But now we're starting to see some changes happen. And it's very, very it's, sad. It's small. I never thought I'd see it. Yeah. Yeah. It starts out slowly and then it once it once it gets to the point where they they're getting away with it, it's gonna go on down on you very, very quickly. And it'll be almost impossible to stop it. And so there's a lot of people now that are whining about the United States that are American citizens but are not really doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, then I don't like know what to in, tell uh, you. Places like California and New York, 
you have the, the restaurants that are saying, oh, you need to have this particular uh, vaccine card to, to, to eat. And you might think, well, that's not a big deal, but it, it just grows and grows and grows. And soon you won't be able to fly within the United States without this card. And, uh, and I hope, you know, some things change before that happens because that's going to be total pain, misery. And you can't fly within your country to go to different places because of some made up, you know, virus situation. So here's my next question. My next mm -hmm. question is that you have been, you have been working with, uh, for like a couple of years with a lot of different candidates. And, uh, so tell our listeners, what are you seeing that maybe the most, or the maybe regular people are not seeing with this political, uh, these political mm -hmm. campaigns? So what I'm seeing also being told is that you'll have Republicans getting funding from Democrats and that apparently that's pretty normal in within South Florida. You'll have um, Republicans that are running as Republicans against a Democrat. Several times they lose, they get a lot of money and then they use that to buy house, to buy a, a nice house, to buy cars, um, to buy things that has nothing to do with winning, and so they're using they're using that money for themselves. And there's a lot of a lot of that stuff happening, not just on the right. It's it's been happening on the left for a very long time. And mm -hmm. and so a lot of Republicans and a lot of libertarians and a lot of independents or Democrats and so on have to do their due diligent research on a candidate before you vote for them and and I understand that a lot of people have a lot of jobs and and um, they might have two or three jobs but when you're eating when you're in the bathroom when you're before you go to sleep just take the time to search up on one candidate you can look at Valipedia you can look at a FEC where you can see how much money they raised and where that money is going to, uh, you can you can utilize a lot of different websites. You can do a background check on them to see why should I support this person. And then you also have to have uh, of the candidates that you like to have one. You have to see you know what is it that I liked about them, what color qualities did they have, and when you vote for somebody, you want those similar qualities in that person. Because mm -hmm. if they don't have, <clears throat> if they don't have the same qualities just as being America first candidate, then you're voting on someone who's not going to fight for you. It's not going to fight for your country, and it's not going to fight for what you believe in. And, and if we don't have candidates in office that um, <clears throat> that are not fighting for what we believe in, then the United States is doomed. Because the only yeah. way the United States is going to come back is through a revolution, and then, oftentimes, unless you have, unless the right people are in charge of the revolution, you're just going to have a, a communist takeover. Because commies right. are everywhere. Commies so are absolutely everywhere. So basically, what you're saying, and because uh, I'm doing a, a podcast episode about this subject in a few days, uh, right. basically, what you're saying, Jaylene, is. Uh, people are running, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the GOP because I suspect the Democrats have been doing this for a long time because they have, they have unions that can donate money, they have Hollywood, 
they have uh, they have know, packs. all these different groups, packs that they can donate money. But on the GOP, what you're basically saying that we have candidates who are running for office and they have no intention to to on winning. They have no intention to win, and they're taking this campaign money, which is donated to them by mostly individual donors, and they mm-hmm. take this. And they buy houses, they buy cars, they fund their lifestyles. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of caught wind of this, like about two or three years ago. Uh, here mm. in California, there were several candidates. I'm not going to mention them by name, but there were se- several candidates that I used to see. And I would say, oh, that guy ran in, in 2012. Oh, this mm. guy ran in 2014. This same mm. guy ran in 2016, 2018, 2020. And he has lost over and over again. And I said to myself, what is the purpose of running and losing? I just never could put the pieces of the puzzle together until I realized that this person is getting donations every time. Mm. You know, so if mm. every time mm. you run and you're getting 200, 300, 500,000, and then there is one person that got a lot of donations, and I can mention the name because it's public, Kim Klasik got 8.2 million dollars up to her 2020 run and she lost by based on what I'm hearing by 48% she lost by 48% and you know there's Candace Owens brought this out so people need to research what that was about but I'm saying if you're going to run and lose and run and lose what good is that to the GOP voter if they're putting up candidates that are losing, but the candidate comes out with a half a million dollars in the bank. Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump won and he wasn't supported by the GOP, and so we really have to start uh, looking towards candidates that the GOP isn't, isn't pushing, in my excellent. opinion. That's an excellent point, and I think people now are starting to do that. There's a, there's a candidate up in, a, uh, I think you sent me a link, his name is Daniels. Uh, he's uh, mm. up in Pennsylvania in Scranton and mm. Joe Biden country and he has a video that basically <laughs> the, the the GOP uh, powerhouse like the war the GOP lords I call them they were saying hey <laughs> you know come within our system and basically what what I was what I got from that video is you know come within our system we're gonna pump you <laughs> so you can make up bring in a bunch of money for us and the candidate, he's an Afghanistan veteran, a Purple Heart recipient. He basically mm. said, no, I am not going to be part of your charade. I am not going to do it. So this guy, I give him some, I give him some credit. Um, he still needs to have a, have a, a good ground game, grassroots campaign. But I give this mm. guy credit. His name is, I think his last name is Daniels. And, uh, and I give him some credit. And hopefully we can get him on the, the podcast to talk about it. But um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just totally, I was shocked to see in California, there's about four or five candidates who are just running and losing, running and losing. Now, granted, Jaylene, that there could be a cheating component. So maybe they could have won and maybe the cheating caused them not to win. But when I look at their campaigns, what I see is I don't even see like a great message. So it seems like... Mm-hmm. Seems like a GOP voter is being taken for a ride. They're being taken for a ride to just get their donor, the donor money, uh, to these candidates, 
and the candidates, in my opinion, have very little motivation to win when they're gonna, you know, when they're gonna lose and put five hundred thousand dollars in their bank account. That's just how I see it. You got it. So my next question, and this is the last one, and we were we had talked about this uh, before we started doing the podcast episode, and that is. Uh, the uh, Cubana Negras and the Cubana Blancas. And, you know, for listeners, they need to know that in Cuba, there is a large percentage of Africans who speak Spanish and they're called Cubans. And that's just the way it is when, when the trade ships left Africa. Some got off in Haiti, some got off in Jamaica, some got off in Martinique, some got off in Barbados, and then some got off on the island of Cuba. So yeah. uh, talk about this, um, you know, whatever, what you know about it. And we're really talking about, you know, in, 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 um, in America, there's, 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 there's racism, obviously. Not going to say it doesn't exist. It does exist where there's blacks and whites and, you know, there's things going on there. And, you know, there's no need to repeat the story. But tell us about what the relationship is between uh, black Cubans and, and white Cubans. Yeah, so when, before I moved to the United States, which was in 2002, so the early 2000s, um, my dad's part of the family, which is Cuban white, did not affect my mother, who's Cuban black. And so whenever my grandmother would come to the United States from my dad's side, she would get everybody else a bunch of clothes and a bunch of things, and maybe I would get just one or two at best. And then there was a lot of arguments between my my mom and my dad and his side of the family because they weren't accepting of the relationship. But eventually they learned to deal with it, and I'm not treated in that manner that I was treated when I was younger by the other side of the family. Now everybody loves me and we're all in good terms and we basically just forgive and forget. And then on my mom's side, she my mom had an, had a, has an aunt who did not allow her son who's mixed race and the father's not in the picture uh, to date other black women or to date blonde white women because blonde white women normally choose black men. And then she would beat him up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He would beat him up. He would date a, a blonde white woman. Cause he's like, if you're gonna date a white woman, don't, don't date that one. <laughs> and and then when I came to the United States, my mother didn't want me to date any black guys. And when I was a little girl, to be with any, if, if I'm gonna get involved with any kids in school, cause she she would beat me. She said she would beat me up if she found me dating any guys. And so I never dated any guys. But he said if I did behind her back, she would, and it was a black guy, she would be so unhappy. And to me, I, I was like, why are you saying that? That's racist. <laughs> Weren't you just mistreated uh, by my dad's family because you're black uh, from, a, from when I was younger? And so there is that, that level on a family level of racism. But on, as far as a workplace level, all my mom. My mom has nine brothers and sisters, technically eight, nine is including her, and all, all the majority of the women are nurses. And, and then my uncle 
he has several jobs and for the most part I never heard any discrimination stories against them in the workplace but as mm -hmm. like their wife um, there is that but then you know Cuba has been has been uh, built like white Cubans and black Cubans have been getting involved in a relationship for a very long time so there's a huge mix of of, of mulatos, which is what mixed people are called in, in Cuba, there's a huge mix of, of, of mulatos in Cuba because of Cubans mingling with one another in spite of families' disapproval of their relationships. Mm -hmm. And people so should that, know that the, 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 the white Cubans are primarily people of Spain. That, that's correct, right? They're from, primarily from yeah. Spain. And, yeah. uh, and and the uh, and the black Cubans are or the Cubans or the from from Africa. So you had the the white Cubans coming from Spain and maybe other like Portugal or something, and uh, just primarily that that Western Europe area. And then you have yeah. the, then you have the Africans that came you know from, on slave ships, and they all made it. <laughs> they all made it to Cuba, <laughs> and. Um, and then you have exactly what you have when you have this, uh, you know, just like in the United States, there's um, there, there's whites and there's blacks, and even within the, the black culture, there's there's uh, uh, lighter skinned blacks and there's darker skinned blacks. So it, it, what it basically says is that whatever the situation is in any country exists also in other countries. The same thing. It's the same type of you know uh, mentality. The same type of uh, cultural. I think in India they call them uh, uh, caste, the caste system. In India, where you have uh, you have your uh, you have your Nollywood, like the place where they make the movies in Mumbai, and that's where the your 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 actresses and actors that are primarily the the white Indians. Then you have your your southern Indians, and those people uh, I think they're called Bengalis, Bengalis people that live in the southern part of India and they are the darker skinned Indians <laughs> so it's, it doesn't really matter what country you go to there's always this um, this 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 culture war within uh, the races so so anything you want to close us out with any other type of uh, subject um, the Democrats in, in Florida are looking to steal the local elections for 2021 and 2022 uh, going around the bill that was passed by Ron DeSantis, SB90, which you need to look into that bill that he passed. Mm -hmm. And I suggest to go to ouryoungforcongress.com's website and go to his blog, and it tells you how the Democrats are going to cheat for the upcoming elections. And it gives you an idea of getting involved with the Republican Party <clears throat> within your county informing them of what's happening and developing a game plan and a strategy uh, to stop the shooting on its bootstraps. Because if we allow shooting to happen, we're not going to have an election. And it doesn't matter which kind of we put up that we trust and that we did our due diligence, they're not going to win. Exactly. And that's involved. something that uh, Ruben Young, and you're talking about Ruben Young, District 23, who's running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And, uh, and, 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 and Real People USA, we are working with uh, Ruben Young to help him come up with a system not to lose. So he's going to have a system to win 
and also a, another system not to lose. And it, and it will require donations, not so much. We don't want you know, Ruben uh, living in some high you know, 60 story condo in Miami Beach. We want to use that money to pay for the system, to pay for the system, to network with people, to build the, 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 the voter base in an organic matter matter uh, through get grassroots campaigning not uh, you know waiting on amazon.com to send a million dollar check to Ruben you know because what we find out these companies that send these these big checks to candidates they want something in return and we're going to have a podcast about that that talks about these, yeah. these candidates getting these hundred thousand three hundred thousand you know million dollar checks and then if they get elected those big corporations are saying Hey, I gave you a million dollar check. Can you make sure my bill passes? And that is one of the main reasons why Donald Trump was hated by the establishment because he didn't use uh, these uh, these big consulting groups. He didn't accept checks from these big corporations because they wanted favors from him, and he refused to accept this money. And that's the reason why one of the reasons why they hated him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Donald Trump uh, during the 2020 election. If you saw the finances between Biden and Donald Trump, Biden received uh, a lot of funding from big corporations and, uh, and Donald Trump received funding from the police, support from the police and uh, on the individual level and then from, from small businesses and from the middle class. Uh, for Absolutely. So, so anyway, uh, for people looking to donate to uh, uh, Ruben Young, his website is ryoungforcongress.com. I think he has a donate button on his page. And if you want to get involved with the Ruben Young campaign, there is a subscription list or sign-in that you can sign up at and you'll get some great information and you can get involved in helping Ruben Young grow his voter base uh, uh, organically uh, with a oh. grassroots campaigning. So anyway, Jaylene Rodriguez, I want to thank you for your time this afternoon, and uh, you make it. You have a great day. Thank you for having me. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.